is Free Talk Live. You're invited if you want to join the show. You can take control of the airwaves. All you got to do is dial in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We got some interesting international news coming up here tonight. Uh, you've got a wild story out of China, actually, Aria, coming up about children being limited to three hours per week of yeah. video gaming. That's on the way. Uh, plus, also in that part of the world, Australia, the truckies, as they're called there, truckers, professional okay. drivers. Truckies? Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they are protesting. Are they? Yeah, the truckers are intending to shut down the entire country in a good way, like to to somehow somehow reverse the government's lockdowns by basically blocking all goods from going anywhere. Well, I saw news out of Australia yesterday that one of their health ministers was like, look, we, we're going to have to learn to live with this virus. We can't just keep locking down like this. Mm. The virus is here. It's not going away. We have to tra- change tactics. That's an actual health minister who said that? Yeah, I'm I don't remember shocked. exactly who, but yeah. There must be like some little blip of sanity somewhere in Australia. Otherwise, they haven't fired him for some reason yet. <laughs> this um, is uh, the truckie is doing this is what I've been telling you about that I keep seeing memes about, but I didn't have an actual actual story about like uh what what's it called when you protest by not working strike strike they're doing a strike like everybody in uh, australia is supposed to uh, participate but the truckies it makes a lot of sense because you can't really i mean people will starve yeah yeah i don't know if i would call this a strike exactly because they are actually because generally like a strike is you don't go to work well that was what i saw in memes it said like don't work until we shut down the don't work to shut down the country. These guys are actually going to do a thing. Like, they're getting in their trucks and going to block certain things. So oh. They're blocking uh, the roads blocking with their roads, trucks? Blocking wow. ports, blocking things like that. So we can talk about that, too. Uh, the number again, 603-283-6160. It's an interesting tactic that apparently the truckies have used with success in Australia in the past. So it's not the first time uh, that they've come out in, in this way. We could talk about cryptocurrency, uh, El Salvador, and what the president there is saying about are they going to actually allow people to not accept Bitcoin with the new Bitcoin legal tender law. And you know what? I've got a story related to this video game stuff, so we, we've got all kinds of interesting stuff to talk about here tonight. But but to start things out, Aria, you had a story about, uh, well, Facebook, one of the worst big tech corporations out there right now, teaming up with the government in a way that maybe some people didn't realize, or to the extent of which people I didn't, didn't realize? Yeah, I didn't realize it was happening to this extent. I knew Facebook was, you know, flagging, quote, problematic posts because the government wanted them to, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that the government had specifically singled out specific topics. And, I mean, it's, it's actually worse than that. Um, the, Facebook is not doing this by themselves. The government is actually flagging p- problematic posts for Facebook to look at. So the government's wow. actually so monitoring a- Facebook and saying, hey, we don't like this. Take it down. Wow. Wow. And that's happening in the United States today. Now, mm. we all knew that Facebook sucked and loved to censor people, but I didn't know their relationship to the government was this close. So the Biden administration sure isn't taking Donald Trump's big tech lawsuits seriously. Evidently, he's still got lawsuits pending. He's suing mm. them for censorship or something. A week after the former president's lawyers argued in court filings that his removal by social media firms amounted to, quote, state action, 
The administration broadcasted as coordinating. Oh, now that's, I'm sorry to, go, but to interrupt you, but that's actually an interesting argument because normally. I mean, it's it, going to be proven to be true as well. Right. Because normally, like, the standard libertarian answer is, well, it's private property, so therefore they can do whatever they want. Well, not if they're working hand-in-hand with the state. And then there's the old question of how much do you have to get paid by the state before you are no longer a private company? Like, Mm, if you've got—if you're a 100% private company, you never get paid anything by any state agent, okay, you're a private company— but if you are getting paid thirty three percent of your, uh, you know, your income or your your receipts or whatever, your clients are state agencies, mm, starts to become a little more of a question. If it's fifty percent, then it seems pretty obvious that you are basically living off of the state. Yeah, if it's fifty percent, then you probably wouldn't survive without the state. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't begrudge any company for taking a state contract, right? Because, like, it's sure. sweet money, and you already paid them anyway because, you know, you paid whatever income tax, and so you might as well try to get your money back. But if that's the way you make all your living, then... See, I don't even think money has to be involved in this. If you run a social media platform, the government says, hey, we want you to remove right. these posts, and you remove them, then you're an employee of the state. You're that's taking actions here. on behalf of the state. Yeah. Whether well, you get and, money from them or not. Well, and also remember, we found out, I don't know if you were on this particular show or not, but we found out that uh, Facebook was tied in with the U.S. government as far back as January of 2020 for coronavirus promotional purposes, that they mm. gave the federal government $2 million worth of advertising early on on Facebook. About wow. the coronavirus? Yes. I didn't know there was coronavirus ads. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, you know, hey, here's what you do with the coronavirus or get your shot or get your test or whatever. Like whatever the government, the CDC wanted to use the the two million dollars for, they could they give them a credit basically of two million dollars. That's insane. Well, the government got way more than that with all of the click here to go to the CDC and learn where you can get a shot ads Mm -hmm. that they're putting on Facebook. Right. Yeah, I'm sure they've given them more money since then. So yeah, yeah they are they are in bed, and now you've got more information on that. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook, said White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on Thursday, referring to coronavirus misinformation. So that's mm. correct. The federal government is flagging posts for Facebook to look at. Meanwhile, the Surgeon General, an officer in the Department of Health and Human Services, released a report with a page of suggestions on, quote, what technology platforms can do to crack down on certain information. You know, mis- quote-unquote misinformation like that new Israeli study with 76,000 participants that yeah. found that people who have already had COVID have much more robust immunity to catching it again. Which you is exactly what we would expect, yeah. So they also met with Twitter, the Surgeon General's office mm-hmm. to, met with Twitter to discuss its misinformation policies. It's been clear for some for some time that the tech giants look to government to determine what coronavirus-related speech to allow. YouTube's misinformation policy bans content that contradicts the evolving guidance of, quote, health authorities. Facebook stopped blocking some commentary on the lab leak theory of the virus's origins only after President Biden ordered an investigation into the policy, into the possibility. So Facebook used to block commentary on the lab leak theory, but once Biden said, hey, we can look into this, Facebook stopped blocking that. Public-private coordination is not in itself sinister. I certainly disagree with that statement. It's always sinister. Mm-hmm. The government can be an important source of information, and most people would agree it's that sinister it's... sinister for the, for the reason of, 
this is supposed to be a place where you have free speech. Yes, but the government is saying, hey, no, we don't, we don't like it when they say that. Remove it. What motivation does the government have to give information that's completely unbiased? Well, they don't. They don't have any. They're motivated to give information that, you know, benefits them. But this is a tremendous free speech violation for the government to pick any topic that they want, basically, and say, hey, Facebook, we don't like that these people are saying these things about this particular issue. Take it down. Mm-hmm. Dangerous precedent. So the government can be an important source of information, and most people would agree that it's not an abuse of Facebook's authority to suppress, say, fraudulent medical information advice that goes viral. I would agree it's not an abuse of Facebook's property rights to ban whatever content they want, but it is an abuse when they're doing it on behalf of the government. Yet, as the acute crisis of phase of coronavirus passes, a government arrangement with private firms to control speech about the pandemic looks less salutary. We don't know how deep the coordination goes, and Mr. Trump's lawsuit makes a weak case. I don't think it does. Mm. We also don't know to what extent the platforms are complying with the White House and what they consider the public interest, or if they also fear retaliation. A better plaintiff would be an individual who can prove his coronavirus-related speech was flagged by the U.S. government for censorship. Well, okay, so the retaliation point is interesting. Maybe they're just doing this because they're afraid of the government coming after them for something. Maybe they're you know, feeling like they're getting... The government to look the other way. When well, the government definitely times. went after Facebook a year or two ago. The number is 603-283-6160, although that's still no excuse for what they're doing. It's just cowardice. Uh, there's more on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The number, if you want to join in here, at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Also, I just noticed there was a story in the Wall Street Journal, speaking of the, the journal, uh, about Burning Man. And I've been wanting to talk about what's going on with Burning Man this year, because I've had a story about that for a few weeks now. It's just been... I assume they're not having it again? That's right, but... They also didn't have it again last, or they didn't have it initially last year due to the pandemic. Oh, well, they're hardcore hippie liberals, so I'm, I'm not surprised. But not all of them. Uh, some of them are just hardcore, and the real burners still went oh. to the Black Rock Desert last year, and they had themselves an event without any kind of permission slips from the government. Nice. The way Burning Man should have been and might have originally been way, way back in the days when it first started. So what's going on this year with Burning Man? we got that update for you as well. But right now, we're talking about uh, what's happening with Facebook and Twitter, apparently, doing the... Well, uh, and YouTube as well. They were mentioned. Of course. Doing the bidding of the White House. Specifically, you've got some sort of bureaucrat or multiple bureaucrats in the U.S. federal government whose job it is to flag information on social media. Yes. And then social media goes and they mark it as quote-unquote misinformation or take it down entirely. Yep. And that's an egregious abuse of First Amendment rights, but I'm not surprised. And they're saying that a better plaintiff than Donald Trump would be an individual who can prove his coronavirus-related speech was flagged by the U.S. government for censorship and that Facebook complied. So basically... A better plaintiff if so, is someone who does not exist. Mm. There is no way any individual out there who had their content flagged would be able to prove that Facebook did it on behalf of the government. Yeah, Wait, they? so what is Trump's court case? It's about him getting censored by Twitter? 
Twitter, and Facebook, Facebook, and YouTube. Yeah. So he's suing them over that. And, you know, I think he's probably right at this point. So much the better if the speech is not only constitutionally protected. What is, I don't know what they mean by that. All speech is constitutionally protected. Yes. But, but also true mm. or partly true in an area where the authorities were wrong. Well, I guess if it's a threat, it's not technically constitutionally protected. There's certain carve-outs that okay. the courts have sort of acknowledged as, okay, you you don't have the freedom of speech to say, I'm going to kill you, you know, in a threatening manner to somebody and they believe it. Fair point. Yeah. Mr. Trump's claim— But that's not what Trump did. No. And his claim doesn't qualify in Mr. Feldman's view. Now, Mr. Feldman is— um, a Harvard law professor, I accidentally skipped a paragraph, so he wrote that current constitutional doctrine doesn't clearly lay out how much government coercion of a private actor's speech decisions it would take to constitute a First Amendment violation. So nothing within the Constitution or how it's being interpreted lays out how much government coercion of a private business's speech decisions it would take to constitute a First Amendment violation. So some level of coercion is required, <laughs> um, is allowed, evidently, and I tend to disagree with that. But under at least some circumstances, the threat of a lawsuit should be actionable. Wherever the legal line is drawn, the rise in big tech censorship that happens to align with government preference ought to draw scrutiny. It can ha- if it can happen on coronavirus, it can happen on other issues. Sure can. And Americans shouldn't let and that. will. It will. I mean, it, libertarians, they already don't like us. Libertarians are going to be on the chopping block next as soon mm-hmm. as this coronavirus nonsense ends, assuming well, it's going to Well, we already are. They, they've already mentioned that they're after libertarians and mentioned that they're after anyone who espouses that the government is illegitimate and all this stuff. Yeah. And that, that that's, you know, domestic terrorism. Americans shouldn't let that become the new normal is how they end it. Mm. And it, well, but I mean, one- it's already the new normal and there's... If we have the burden of proof where we have to prove that Facebook deleted our message at the behest of the White House, yeah, then there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. But, but we know that the White House is coordinating with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and probably other tech platforms to remove content. To me, that's enough to warrant a lawsuit. It doesn't matter if you mm-hmm. were, were a specifically targeted individual or not, because you're never going to be able to prove that. And if you have to be able to prove that your content was removed specifically because the government requested it. The government's never going to, they're going to get away with it. That's an impossible hurdle for someone to jump over. Yeah, they're not just going to admit what they did. This is an ugly relationship between big tech and the state. It's not an entirely surprising one. No, we knew this was going on. Yeah, this is just a confirmation that it is going on and it's not going to, uh, to get better. It's going to get worse. And as you say, it's impossible to prove one thing led to another. And so the best thing you can do, because there are solutions, is to build the alternatives. Stop yes. complaining about what's going on with Twitter and uh, Facebook. I sent out a toot the other day because we toot over on Mastodon. It's not tweeting. Mastodon is an open source uh, alternative to Twitter. We, we run our own server. And you can do this, too. And There's, we're not going to delete anything because the government asks us to. Correct. And our, our server's not even located in the United States, so, you know, it's even out of better. Their, yeah, it's out of their jurisdiction. And so running your own server or joining somebody else who's already running a server, because there's already thousands of servers. You don't have to duplicate those people's efforts if you can find one that you like. So we have one at social.freetalklive.com. 
There's also another great libertarian server called Liberdon at Liberdon.com. So if you don't like ours, you can use theirs. Or like I said, you can start your own. And so many people love to complain about how bad Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are. And I get it. They're bad. Sure. Uh, the most recent was a guy named Alex Berenson. I saw his name being thrown around. I'd seen him posting recently. He's like a critic of the the lockdowns and a critic of uh, of COVID and all that. And and uh, I guess Twitter just unceremoniously completely deleted his account and all of his wow. tweets. And and he's gone from that platform at this point. And he's got like a Substack or something, so he's still out there. He's still available. Yeah, they likely did this say. on the behest of the U.S. government. I guarantee you, they did that. But there has been a whole bunch of caterwauling about it. Like, oh, they deleted on Twitter. They're so bad. Okay, well, what are you doing about it? Because complaining They're about tweeting it, about it. Yeah, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> um, that, that's not doing something. That's not creating the alternative. That's not in, endorsing the alternative. That's not migrating uh, to the alternative. Because the alternative exists. It's, this yes, it isn't does. some sort of you know, pie-in-the-sky fantasy of, oh, well, if only we could. No, it's there. It's called Mastodon. And you can run this thing. Okay? And it's not Parler or Gab or any of these right. others that are still centralized and the government can still Correct. come along and say, hey, no, take this content down or censored because they don't like what you're saying, as now, happened with Parler and people we know. It would be inaccurate to say that Mastodon is not centralized. It is just less centralized than these other solutions. Well, so, that's true. Unless you own your own server. Someone else does. Correct, correct. So there is a central authority in charge of whatever server you're joining if you're not running it and, and owning it yourself. But the thing is, there's thousands of these centers. So it is more decentralized in that you get to pick which server you join or you can start your own. And all of the servers are what they call federated. So they're all connected together unless they choose not to be. So that's up to each individual server owner what level of connection they have to uh, the outside world and what their rules are on their server. So one server might be restrictive on what you can and can't say, and another server might have completely the opposite rules because it's kind of like an open marketplace of social media servers. And then, of course, there's Odyssey, which is a great uh, website for which you can or with which you can upload videos, and you don't have to worry as much about being taken down there, which is uh, backed up by a library. We'll tell you a little bit more about them coming up here in moments. Your calls and thoughts are welcome. 603-283-6160. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. Brute force, intransigent defiance, adamantine will. These are the hallmarks of the AI tank. These gigantic machines have the firepower of an army, but they also have their own sense of honor and duty. When the world breakers arrive, battle will be joined, planets will shake, and war and peace will never be the same again. World breakers. Stories from David Weber, Larry Correa, and more. Available August 3rd from BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Right about now, Burning Man would be kicking off. What is Burning Man? Well, maybe you haven't heard about the humongous party that's been thrown for three decades, I think, roughly. A little bit more than that, maybe, in the Black Rock Desert. Actually started on a beach, I think, in San Francisco years ago, but it ended up migrating into uh, Nevada. And we can talk more about what's it look like now 
in the so-called pandemic. So that's on the way. With you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Arya. But we're going to go first uh, to your calls and thoughts. Oh, yeah, and I did say I was going to tell you about Odyssey because we're, we're talking about alternatives. Because if somebody that you really enjoy reading gets deleted, or maybe you yourself get deleted from Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you know, you fill in the blank, whatever other popular social I actually media. did succeed in getting suspended from Twitter. And really? Yeah, because I kept calling Governor Sununu a fag. And evidently, nice. he reported that. He well, reported little, it? I'm assuming. I don't know. Maybe someone did at any rate. But uh, they would—they didn't just remove the tweet. I had to have someone actually go online and remove it for me. Like, they won't delete the tweet. They make you go and delete it yourself for whatever reason. Weird. So I got the person who's managing my other social media to do that for me. It was so weird, though. It's like, why didn't, why didn't you just delete it and reinstate the account? So uh, the point I was going to make is if you are deleted from this thing or somebody that you enjoy following is deleted from these platforms and you haven't been cultivating an alternative, it's not like we didn't warn you. It's not like you didn't know that this could be coming, that this is a good chance. This, If you're criticizing the state, if you're criticizing the COVID response, the crackdown, all of that that they could come after you. You know that's a possibility now, right? So it, since you know that's a possibility, you ought to take steps to protect yourself. And we talked earlier about do, uh, joining a Mastodon. You can join ours at social.freetalklive.com. That doesn't mean you have to quit Facebook or Twitter or whatever. You can still be there, but just know that your days are numbered on those platforms. And I would suggest you use the alternative platforms and simultaneously and kind of cross-promote you know let your facebook or twitter followers know hey look this is where you can find my uncensored feed this is where you can see what i have to say without some big tech company getting involved and odyssey allows you to do that with video so odyssey i do want to be clear odyssey itself is a front end for a what's called a media sharing protocol which is library and it's actually library that's uncensorable so when we say odyssey is uncensorable we're stretching a little bit there. It's the back end behind Odyssey that is uncensorable. Library cannot be censored. It cannot be stopped. It is blockchain-based. It's decentralized. It's open source. And Odyssey is a website that the people who made Library... So it operates on, on a lot of, of the same principles. It, it literally operates on the same platform. It operates with Library in the background. So it's essentially a front end. It's a pretty interface for uh, for Library. But there are some things they do exclude on Odyssey. You can't put pornography on Odyssey. You can't put, like, murder videos or something like that. You know, some sort of horrifyingly grotesque right. thing or whatever. But So they do have some standards at Odyssey. But uh, it's a much safer place for people to express themselves and to have and hold opinions. A lot of people who've been deleted from YouTube, they're over on Odyssey right now. So check them out. You can find our channel at video.freetalklive.com. That's a URL that'll take you right to our Odyssey channel. You can uh, subscribe to us, follow our channel there, and we'd appreciate you do that. And again, that's another way you can protect yourself. If you're a, a video creator and you've already got a YouTube channel and maybe you've already gotten a strike, maybe you've already gotten a warning, you can see the writing on the wall. And even if you can't, you can go ahead and protect yourself by syncing your YouTube channel with Odyssey which is a super easy process that anybody can go through. And they'll even ask you when you're signing up at Odyssey, whether you want to. So it's like super easy. Check that out. Video.freetalklive.com. We go to Greg. He's on the line in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Greg. Hey, y'all are talking about my favorite uh, 
topic that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Uh, decentralized social networking. So I just want to say that I think the reason people don't use Mastodon or Matrix and other uh, federated systems is because the features that they have with Facebook and other like LinkedIn are just too convenient. They have video conferencing. They have events. I don't know. They just have all these things, chats, you know, that they are used to and they don't want to give it up. I think that I'll give you that in the case of Facebook, there is no blockchain based or decentralized alternative to Facebook. Well, there there are some. Um, what's it? Well, called? you don't have like phone calls on Matrix like you do on well, that's Messenger. You actually, more can. similar to Discord than it is Facebook. But you can make a call over Matrix. It's it's a little clunky. We tried doing that last year with Matrix. We tried having like a call in line with that, and it was it was difficult uh, to uh, to coordinate that. It definitely didn't. They hadn't smoothed out the uh, the sailing on that particular feature just yet. I think Keybase was probably going to be the closest alternative to Facebook, but then they've got bought out by I think it, who? Zoom. Zoom. Yeah. So they're done. Yeah. Wait, what was it called? Keybase. Keybase. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, something that allows you to create your own profile and have your own. And I realize Mastodon allows you to do that as well, but. There's content that you can find on someone's Facebook page that you mm-hmm. don't get by just going and scrolling through your feed. Like they have a separate page of their own that contains information about them. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to remember what it is. I don't know if it's activity. I know there's like this standard called Activity Pub that Mastodon uses and can use hubs. There's this thing called hubs, uh, and I don't remember what the software is. I know there's one for the Free State Project. They have F- FSP Hub that somebody created, and I I'm sorry, it's just I'm. I'm spacing on the name of the actual software. So there is somebody out there who's created sort of a Facebook clone, uh, basically. So, yes, that does exist. But but Greg's point is, is, you know, important to address, and that is that I think these companies, these mega tech companies, the Facebooks and the Twitters and them, they've got momentum, really, is what it is. I mean, it's not like you can't have a video conference. I mean, there's Jitsi, for instance, is a fantastic video conferencing system out there that anybody can use right now, uh, JIT.SI. If you've been using Zoom and you hate it, uh, go try Jitsi. I mean, it's free, it's open source, and it works fantastic. We've used it on the... uh, the New Hampshire independence meetings that we've been having over the last mm-hmm. few weeks that some people have seen over on the, the Free Keen Odyssey channel. Uh, and it's, I mean, we've had no issues. There's been no, like, there's been no problems that Jitsi has had. It works se. well. And yeah. it supposedly supports up to, like, 50 participants at once. Yeah, it says it gets a little janky above 35, I think. But I can yeah, it can, it can go higher in, in theory. As long as everybody's got enough bandwidth, I think it, it could work. Uh, but, you know, so there are alternatives out yeah. there, Greg. It's just they've got the momentum that you know of billions of users or whatever and that's what's hard to get people away from is to say hey build this alternative start from zero that's a hard pitch to make yeah because you're basically asking people to give up having an audience to go and scream into the darkness well yeah i think that um just having a centralized uh uh, network it's uh like telegram uh i think that it has really good software Mm -hmm. and open source software you know let's just say I was interested in this topic 10 years ago when, you know, I started my first uh, attempt with Cubix, and we really worked a lot uh, on replicating everything that Facebook had. But they, it's always an uphill battle because as you do one thing, you know, people get used to something else like video conferencing and other things. So I feel like there has to be something that 
gives people the ability to turn their own site into uh, a social network. And Mastodon sort of does that. I think you're able to in, you know, have a widget maybe that you could put on there. But just, you know, I think that um, the idea that your own users on your site should be able to connect and, and do stuff is something that's been missing from the web for whatever reason. It got stagnated with WordPress being a one-way publishing tool, and the comment section is really the only interaction that you get with the other users. So I'm, I'm surprised how most websites are sort of web 1.0, and then these private networks that are like Facebook, LinkedIn, are 2.0, you know? Yeah, and if people are working on these solutions, and I know you're you're one of them. You're working on uh, you know an alternative, an open source alternative, and I'm hoping we're going to be able to talk more about it that in the future days. Thank you, uh, Greg, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty is the number here. That's six zero three two eight three six one six zero. What about the social networking going on at Burning Man this year? We'll tell you what's happening on the way. It is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, the number if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. You can bring up anything that you want as people are celebrating in Afghanistan, where it is already tomorrow. Uh, the U.S. government troops have now left the Kabul airport. They flew out a few hours ago. The final plane is Splitsville at this point, and uh, people firing guns and uh, other weapons into the air in celebration of the the end to 20 years of I got to tell you, man, I'm stunned. I never expected it. Even when they you know, began actually withdrawing a few weeks ago, I didn't expect – I figured they would find out some kind of reason to send troops back. We're like, oh, we didn't expect this. we got to go back in. Well, they might. I mean, the, they you know, might, but right now, right now it's is, over. It is. It does appear to be over for the moment. But although they've been saying that, and what this means, I don't know. But they've been saying that there's people that want to get out. We're going to do what we can to help those people get out. Meaning Americans who are still in uh, in Afghanistan, Supposedly, and also meaning a convicted rapist who was deported from the United States back to Afghanistan, who ended up back in the United States on one of these aircraft because they're not doing any sort of actually checking into who they're bringing <laughs> over. So. Yeah, saw that today. <laughs> so if you want to comment, you can. You can bring up anything. We're going to go to your calls. T-Bone is on the line in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, T-Bone. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to uh, discuss, maybe you have some opinion or advice. I know you're not lawyers. You don't give legal advice. But mm. I just found out about two hours ago that my employer is going to mandate me to get vaccinated. And uh, I don't know. You try to do a quick Google search. I didn't research it too much uh, recently, or I mean, in in the past, but I just did it, you know, briefly before I called you guys. What type of um, three three quick questions? What type of religious exemption can you claim? What type of medical exemption can you uh, you know claim? And then what type of is there any sort of that you know that you can print out a fake? mandate card because i i have no intention of getting the vaccine I don't so the think, last one the answer from all of us is no we have no idea i don't think that you need to get a fake uh vaccination card if you can find a doctor that he, his medical opinion is that you should be exempt exempted from getting the vaccine well there- that didn't work for the woman in chicago who lost custody of her kids like mm. i'm already highly likely to have blood clots i smoke and i'm on estrogen 
the vaccine is almost certainly going to give me blood clots. That's a legitimate medical reason not to get it. But in the eyes of the the businesses and the state and the government in general, it's just not valid. The doctor's note doesn't matter to them. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. Your mileage may vary, right? You're talking about an employer that's mandating this? Right. And then, I mean, I'll tell you, but I don't necessarily want to bring it up, but um, it's an employer that it's it's like the one of the least employers you would ever think that would mandate a vaccine Mm -hmm. and a pretty big player in Florida. And what I'm like, like as far as, and I understand your situation with the crypto six and all that. I understand that. But as far as the, the fake, uh, pass, you know, fake, uh, you know, uh, vaccine passport or whatever do you just not say it because you don't know or do you say it because it's it's nothing any of us have looked into because we we have no interest in doing that look as far as any sort of fake passport is concerned you have a a concern there because if it uses some sort of government so-called authority like a government seal or something like that you are likely going to cross the government in a way you don't want to because they will charge you with a felony if they like if they take if you take the CDC seal and you put that on a document then you know you are committing a an act of fraud in the government's eyes in that case so i i, I got to agree with bonnie here i mean the best bet is to find a doctor that you know is a friendly doctor that agrees that this covid stuff is insane and uh, he's willing to write you a uh, an exemption. And I'm not saying that will necessarily get your it's employer a, to listen, yeah. but I mean, I don't think you should get a fake card because that's just most likely going to get you in more trouble. I think. Yeah, there are doctors out there. There's a there. I don't know how many of them there are, but they exist. Whether they're willing to, you know, hang that information out on Front Street is another question. Like, hey, we're the we're the exemption doctor. Come on, come here. It may be something you, that the word has to kind of get passed around. I would start with the freedom cells. I would ask them uh, find a freedom cell in your area and see if they know somebody. There's a good chance that those relationships have already been cultivated. Uh, there's also health freedom networks. People that. Uh, again, these are existing networks of freedom-friendly people that there may already be a doctor within their network or somebody knows a guy uh, who could, uh, you know, they could point you to and then you could have them write you out an exemption. And I think that if you could do that, your employer is probably not going to want to fight you with this, right? Like, whereas if you go to the government and say, you know, I've got an exemption, then they've got all kinds of money that they can fight you with, whereas your employer may not be willing to go toe-to-toe with you on on these exemptions. And your other question was about a religious exemption. Um, I don't know anyone who has employed the religious exemption with success thus far. Most people are using medical exemptions. But, I mean, it's just against your religion. Which is surprising if it's against to your me. religion, it's against your religion. Because the religious argument in America, it's, it's the most respected one. Like it when should I, be strong. When I tell people I don't eat bacon because I don't like it, they go, oh, well, you just haven't had it the way I make it. Let me mm. cook you some bacon. But if, if you were to say, well, I don't eat bacon because of my religion, they will never, ever ask you to try their bacon. Mm. <laughs> and, we, and, you know, you say that's minor and we laugh about it, but it's true in regard to vaccines as well. The religious exemption is almost certainly going to be the most respected. Mm. I hope so. But T-Bone, you'll have to let us know how it goes, man. And thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. I want to talk about BlackRock, uh, the BlackRock Desert and what goes on there, or at least went on there, or has gone on there for decades now. It's it's an an amazing event that I 
unfortunately have never gone to, but I've been very interested in it. And I've talked to people who have attended Burning Man. Uh, I'm interested in it, but the overall people who attend, I think, would probably be obnoxious liberals. And so I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't want to deal with the whole, you can't sell anything. You can only give things away. That's, I, that's frustrating. Retarded. Yeah, for, for those of us who love a free market, that, that aspect of Burning Man would really grate, I think. They the, really have that? You, can, you can't yeah. sell anything? Yeah, you'll be shunned, basically, if you go in there and you try to sell things. Sounds like an opportunity. They make an exemption, <laughs> uh, apparently. They will make an exemption for the guy that comes around with like the porty, uh, porta potty sucking machine or whatever, like to, to empty out your RV. Uh, that guy, like he can charge. Okay. And I think the guys that are selling ice for whatever reason are like. Are there like, tickets to this event? Well, there were. Okay, so Burning Man can, can sell you yes, things. Yes, Burning Man will sell you a 300 or $400 ticket. Uh, and and so there were tickets, but now things are very, very different. Uh, and this started last year, of course, because as you point out, and you're correct, Arya, there are a bunch of leftists who are involved in the planning of, of Burning Man. Although that said, there's a ton of people that attend this. A lot of libertarian folks go because it is a big party. It sure. is a huge sort of phenomenon where essentially a city comes together. Like Keene, New Hampshire, where we live, is roughly 20,000 people most of the year. Burning Man is 70,000. Holy oh my crap. Goodness. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, full-on city. It is a city. A city the size of Nashua, New Hampshire comes together for the period of just about a, over a week in the middle of the desert. And it was all about like self-reliance. The the whole like tagline of the event is it's about radical self-reliance. Like you got to be able to you got to have it together to some extent to be able to pack everything you need to survive for an entire week in the middle of nowhere. This isn't Rogers Campground where you've got, you know, water and electricity at every campsite and bathrooms at, you know, strategic locations. You're literally in the middle of the desert. Mm. And there's like dust storms that come through and if you don't have if you don't bring rebar to like slam into the ground and keep your tent poles and keep your tent strapped to the rock to. hard desert ground. Yeah, you if you don't put rebar into the ground and strap your tent down when that windstorm comes through, your tent's going flying. And this happens like there's like always some newbie every year that didn't read the how-to manual or whatever on how to do this, and they didn't listen when somebody told them, "Hey, you better you strap that down, right?" Nope, their tent's gone, and you're not getting it back because it's like. Wait, where is it, Nevada? Away. Yeah, it's in the bl- the Black Rock Desert in Nevada. And the thing that's nearest to this is like some tiny little town with, you know, a couple dozen people. And there's like one little store that gets all of its business on this one week. I mean, it's a really fascinating thing to look it at. It sounds fun, but the presence of, you know, 70,000 other people make self-reliance kind of impossible in those circumstances. Well, and I then- mean, they, they got to bring in porter potties for this stuff and all kinds of stuff that isn't really self-reliant. Paris Hilton brings like a super fancy RV, right? And she flies in. Yeah, there's people that'll actually helicopter in. Like the super rich have like the super rich zone where... So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting study in sociology and how things have come out over the years. But now the, the event has gone virtual, or has it? We'll tell you a little bit more on the way here. What's going on with Burning Man? Of course, you're welcome to weigh in as well.
When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour of the program. The phones are open here tonight. The number 603-283-6160. Coming up, what is Burning Man going to look like? For year number two, where the official event in the Black Rock Desert is not taking place. I'll tell you about that on the way here tonight with you. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. You can take control of the airwaves. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. I know, Bonnie, you wanted to talk about the CDC. Surprise, surprise, fudging the numbers. She's got some details about that. Now, that would be on top of hospitals fudging the numbers that they reported to the CDC, <laughs> right. I guess, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it must be. There's a lot of fudge when it comes to uh, all the COVID-related numbers. And so we can talk about all of those things and so much more, including a crazy limitation in China on children playing video games. to three, Online video games, to, to be specific. Three hours per week. We'll share all of that with you if we get the chance. Of course, your calls come first. We go to Eamon. He's in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live. Eamon. Listening on Twitch. Hey, how you doing? What's on your mind? Actually, we're we're talking about something else, but a funny thing you say about the the whole Burning Man thing. I actually uh, met a bunch of people at a festival who were who who were doing that, like uh, going to the 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 secret event or whatever. Oh, they're going to the one that's actually happening, the like the real deal Burning Man that's happening still in the Black Rock Desert this year. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know any details about it though, but apparently. It might actually be better than the normal one because I bet it will be a bit less free. corporate. It'll be yeah, you don't have to pay three hundred or four hundred or whatever hundreds of dollars just to get into the event. Burning uh, Man brought to you by Rockstar Energy Drink. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by Facebook. Uh, go ahead, Eamon. What are you calling about tonight? Yeah, so I'm like, uh, I, I'm like these days. Uh, I feel like I'm in the end of the world. I'm so anxiety ridden because. Mm-hmm. My job is uh, is now requiring everybody to be vaccinated, Oof. and I like see at this point, I I am I don't make that much money anyway because it's animal shelter, but I have I have a lot of savings, so I'm not concerned about myself. Like I'm I'm prepared to just my strategy was I was just going to not do it and not do anything mm-hmm. and just force them to have to confront me about it. Yeah. And so I plan on doing that, but the, the now the issue I'm having though is like I thought I was the only unvaccinated one because it's a, a very there's a lot of leftists there and mm-hmm. uh, and everything. And now they they put you know that sign, <laughs> the you know the the in this house we believe blah 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 blah. Oh, the like liberal this. sign that's got a bunch of different things Rainbow listed on it font. Yeah, and like yeah, they they put those signs all over the building, even though they we just had a presentation about how we're not allowed to 
discuss politics when related <laughs> to anything we do okay. and, because we could lose our 501c funding. And then they put all those signs in front of there. And this is an animal shelter that you work at? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's only yeah. politics when you disagree with them. Right. So what is it you yeah. said that changed? You were going to make the stand. You thought you were the only one unvaccinated, but what? Then I found out that like there's at least two other people who, who aren't, and one of them agreed with me. They were like, yeah, I'm going to quit. One day. I'm going to do the same thing you're doing. Well, before you quit, then, how many employees are there at this place altogether? So we got three unvaccinated people. How many vaccinated people are we talking about here? Well, that's, that's the thing, though. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing because we actually don't have that much staff, and normally— That's what I would have assumed. Yeah, don't quit. They, they can't afford to fire you. What percentage—I guess you're, what you're getting at, Arya, is of, you know, you got three people unvaccinated. What percentage of the entire crew is that? Probably like 5%, maybe less. Okay. Oh, they, less. they can probably afford you. You're not understaffed, dude, if three people are 5% of the workforce but at an animal shelter. Sorry. I still think that you should let them fire you because yeah. if in the future, if there is a possible recourse, you're not going to even have that possibility if you voluntarily quit your if job. You yeah, that's true. I think everybody yeah, should yeah, force I, them to f- uh, fire them. Make it, make them work yeah, for it. Like, um, so yeah, the thing though is, I was watching a bunch of other shows, and they had this lawyer on this one. Uh, this one show I watch a lot, and the lawyer was saying, um, because th- this is like probably the number one issue in the country right now, and he he was saying that basically, if your job offers, they have the religious exemption on the table, that you you can't do anything. You can't you you cannot sue them because you're not going to get standing in court. But if you apply for, like, uh, if they don't offer the religious exemption or they don't respect your religious exemption, then you can sue them for, like, the, like, the, the, like, probably a lot of money. Does your office offer the religious exemption? So now the thing, though, is they, um, they, 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 they were really dubious about it. They said, they said that, we honor religious exemptions, but you need to have, you need to basically write us a paper proving it, and you have to have a pastor or someone sign off on it. See, that's and then that's ridiculous because you not everybody who has a religion has a pastor, right? You can be exactly. religious in America, and we have the freedom of religion here, and you don't have to join a flock in order to have freedom of religion. So that would definitely be a discriminatory action, I think. In, but I can't give legal advice, right? Like, I'm not an attorney. But that sounds like discrimination to me. Uh, whether or not you want to continue working for people who are going to treat you like this is a whole other question that you really need to ask yourself. I would say that it gives you even more protection if they do offer the religious exemption, you fill it out, and they just say they're not going to accept it, then that would give you even more protection. You're in New Jersey, though. Does New Jersey even allow religious exemptions to vaccinations, like for school kids? They specifically said in their email that they would, but you have to, like, apply for it. And no, I mean the New Jersey state the, as a whole. I have, I have no idea. Okay. I, um, I, 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 yeah, I'm not going to college or anything right now. I know that the college I went to is requiring it now. No, I'm not talking but, about the uh, COVID vaccine. I mean, for like school kids, right? Do they have to have their measles vaccine or do they allow religious exemptions? Because I don't think they don't New think Jersey allows religious exemptions against any vaccines. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember 
when I was growing up, like that ever being an issue. So yeah, they, they, like, I don't remember being mandated any vaccines at all when I was going to school. Yeah. I don't think Uh, that uh, there's any harm in making a stand, giving them the opportunity to make, you know, the decision for themselves. Do they want to keep you? Are you worth uh, keeping around your services or do they want to go ahead and step in a potential legal uh, disaster where they're, you know, possibly discriminating against somebody? But then again, like I said, do you really want to keep working for this company who is going to treat you like, you know, a second-class citizen that they're buying into this whole propaganda that would really bother the hell out of me. I mean, to me, I wouldn't yeah, want to fight for a job that I would hate to uh, to work for those people. What That's- is the feasibility of the unvaccinated forming your own animal shelter? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. What, so now, what the issue I'm having is like, um, yeah. So I was like completely prepared. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna screw them. I'm going to. I'm going to force them to fire me. But there's the two other people who aren't, um, I'm like friends with. And I feel like really bad. Cause like one of them's like, one of them is one of my managers and she's like really upset about it. And, she, and it's like, she says that like, she doesn't want to leave, but she, so she's going to force to get it on, on oh, Wednesday. Man. And I feel like, I feel horrible about it. And yeah. like, I, like I'm, it's driving me nuts. Cause I'm like, I don't want her to do it. And like, I was talking to her. I was like, I was like, if if I got you a black market, like fake vaccine card, would you use it? Yeah, I think that's a pretty risky. As we were talking with the last... It's not worth it. We were talking with the last guy about the same thing. I understand why people would would consider that, but to me that the risk is just not worth it. Uh, And, you know, potential fraud charges, using government logos without permission or whatever. Again, we're not legal uh, experts. We can't give you legal advice, but... Um, either make your stand honestly or just walk away from that job. And that's what I would suggest. And thank really you, good way to put that. Eamon, for the call tonight. I uh, appreciate it, man. Uh, if you got other questions, feel free to call any other night. And, you know, another thing I would walk away from is New Jersey entirely. <laughs> you know, if you're a freedom-loving person, you really ought to get out of that place. I mean, it's not a good place. It's not a place that's going to get better. I would recommend you check out New Hampshire. Go to 101reasonsfilm.com. You get 101 Reasons Why Liberty Lives in New Hampshire. There's thousands of libertarians migrating here. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever is on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Of course, uh, you can do anything you want here on the air, as long as it's within the FCC regulations. We just want to talk to you about whatever you want to discuss. Also, I want to let you know about Freedoms Phoenix. It is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site, if you want the newest and freshest stories and perspectives on current events from those who value liberty. Well, Freedoms Phoenix has it. You go to freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. That's freedomsphoenix.com. Sign up for their daily dispatch if you want. Get uh, kept up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. It's freedomsphoenix.com. Check them out. All right, so I said we wanted to talk about Burning Man. And the Wall Street Journal has a story about the, quote, event that just started apparently today or something like that. Very, very recently. Sunday. I think it started Sunday. The virtual Burning Man. 
<sighs> contrast that to the real Burning Man, which is a decades-long event that happens in the middle of nowhere in the Nevada desert, the Black Rock Desert, as it is called, that has attracted on its peak years as many as 70,000 or more participants for an, a week-long party, which isn't just any old party in the woods or, in this case, the middle of the desert. Yeah, Paris Hilton's there. Well, there it became this thing that sort of, I mean, it really became a phenomenon that uh, that attracted some of the richest people in the world who would fly in and actually some of the controversy of the event we've covered the the burning man for years we've talked to people you know people who are what they call burners people who've attended the event in the past uh to get their perspectives on it some of the things that we've discussed over the years on free talk live have been how the rich attendees the sort of silicon valley the hollywood elites will sort of fly in on helicopters. They'll stay in these palaces that are like, temporarily built for them, and then they fly out again. So for them, it's not at all about you know radical self-reliance, which is sort of the, the tagline of the event where you're supposed to be able to take care of yourself and bring all the water in that you need. Like just the ima- Imagine needing however many gallons of water every day. You've got to bring all that in in advance. But what's so virtuous yeah. about that? Like I really... I wouldn't be mad at Paris Hilton for not wanting to like go without her security guards to this Burning Man event. Well, then she so- shouldn't go. Well, if what she if she wants to go? It, well, if she then she needs to keep in with the spirit of the event. Well, what opinion, if she gets mobbed? Then, well, does she? I don't know. Tell you what, one thing's for sure. I, I don't think the people at Burning Man are particularly interested in in the in the horrible person that is Paris Hilton. First of all, there's thousands of people at this event. The uh, you know, if she wants to bring security, then that's not without the like. That's not sure. going against the event. I mean, that's if part of your self reliance is that you know you need to protect yourself and you need burly goons to do that. Well, you got to buy extra tickets. Then uh, in that case, I think it's the whole flying in, staying in a palace, uh, and then flying back out that I think upsets a lot of the longtime attendees of the event. I mean, they literally come in, they have waiters that wait on them hand and foot. So like, there's a totally different experience for somebody who's Paris Hilton or, or the head of Google or you know some of these people that have been attracted to the event over the years versus somebody that comes up in an RV or they've got a you know, literally a tent that they're banging into the ground with rebar to stop it from uh, blowing away three miles down into the desert in the next dust storm. Uh, but I mean... Obviously, people can do what they want. It's just there's controversy about it. So that's one of the things that that uh, was controversial in in past years as it got so big that everybody wanted to attend. But to answer your question about she's Paris Hilton, not if she puts a mask on. And I don't mean like the masks that we're talking about. I mean like a full-on face you're in a desert dust storm kind of Mad Max style mask, right? Like, like you, you would dress in the desert to avoid sunburn. You would. So she could totally dress in a way that she would just be another young woman walking around the playa and no one would know who she was until she was inside some sort of event and then she would might maybe take the mask off or something like that. I got to tell you, so. I would not recognize Paris Hilton if I saw her on the streets and I imagine most people wouldn't. I don't know. She's a fairly big celebrity. I don't know if most people wouldn't. I probably would recognize her, and I don't follow her in any meaningful sense. She was at the Bitcoin conference recently in I would not uh, have Miami. known if I had been there. Yeah. So, like, oh, look, it's generic blonde chick. She had awesome sunglasses that were like light up Bitcoin symbols. So one of these big... Uh, Paris Hilton likes Bitcoin. She's into yeah. it now. Yeah. She has like NFTs of her artwork. 
All right. Everybody's got an NFT these days, it seems like. <laughs> Did you hear the latest thing with NFTs is paying hundreds of thousands of dollars or more for uh, cartoon images of rocks? No, I did not. No How, joke. It's retarded. So I could get crypto kitties, right? I hated <laughs> it. Yeah, I could get it. Yeah. But I, I, I get it. Yeah, they were unique. Kitties, they were, and right? you know, they were customizable. And cats are cute. There yeah. was a game involved with with it to some extent. So I, right. I understood crypto kitties. I thought it was stupid. Yeah. And absurdly expensive, but I at least I grasped the concept and the demand for it. I, digital cartoonized rocks. I don't see the. De- they don't what, have what like is wrong with these people. They don't have like googly eyes or anything cute like that. They're just rocks. Yeah. See, that makes me want to take a picture of a rock and just put uh, put googly eyes on the rock because that's better, and <laughs> yeah. take a picture and sell it as an NFT. We were talking about that because we saw a perfect rock for this <laughs> on a walk, but we're like, do people just take pictures of rocks and do this? Yeah, it's just it's just really low res pixel art. I mean, it's like the least effort you could put into creating. <laughs> Uh, internet and it's not like a quartz rock or something like that either it's a gray rock (laughs) yeah it's a boring um, image of a rock and people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars or more and and so there was a uh obviously we're going aside from the black rock desert we'll get back to that but there was uh an interesting post i saw on social media today where somebody put an image of like a, a picasso painting and i forget which one it was but it was a picasso painting and then an image of NFT punk number 7642, which is just this low-res pixel art, you know, head of a punk-looking character. And they said, Picasso uh, artwork sold for $4.2 million. NFT punk 7642 sold for $5.5 million. And then they said... Five and a half million dollars? They said, we're living in the worst, you know, version of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would particularly value a Picasso either, but... I would, there's no art on this planet that I would pay four and a half million dollars for. Look, I give you, I'll give you that. Okay, I'm not a huge art fanatic or whatever, but but at least you know Picasso's got some name. Yeah. He's got some history. You know, there's something to that. There's this unique thing that only one person can have an actual physical painting. True. And then there's literally a I don't know. 32 by 32 p- pixel resolution. That image. low res. I don't know. It's low. <laughs> it's low. <laughs> Uh, of of a, of the head of a punk looking guy, I mean it couldn't have taken the artist. And and by the way, it's number like seventy six forty two. So there's all kinds of iterations of it. So basically, the same artist or whatever made a thousand or more different iterations of a punk icon. Changed the hairstyle, you know, changed the hair color, added an earring, and uh, and then sold these things for millions of dollars. It's crazy. People I'm laughing, are just showing, but that's just to keep me from crying. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, people are just showing off how much money they have. If you can spend a half a million dollars on an image of a rock, you're just doing that to show you have that much money to, to blow on a rock. It's crazy. Uh, but that's that's where we are. 603-283-6160. What is, uh, what's going on with the Black Rock Desert? What's happening with Burning Man? I do want to get into that. Your calls and thoughts are welcome as well. Free Talk Live. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more.
Free Talk Live. The number, if you want to join us here, it's 603-283-6160. We're talking about the ridiculous NFT fad. That wasn't my intention, but somehow bringing up the Black Rock Desert and Burning Man led us to that conversation. Uh, I can't believe how stupid it actually it's is. It's getting dumber, actually. <laughs> It started out as a really kind of silly idea, the idea of buying a digital thing which is inherently copyable, because it's digital, so you can copy it a billion times and it doesn't lose, the original doesn't lose its, you know, originality. I mean, you can say, say, oh, look, I own the original, but I got to tell you, man, if you rip a DVD, it really doesn't matter to me whether I'm watching the original DVD or the rip. Yeah, it, this is a collector's thing. Um, I am not a big fan of collectibles in general. I think they mostly waste space. So I would tend N- to agree. The NFT isn't a physical waste of space. It doesn't take up room on a shelf. To, it's a waste of everything else. It doesn't gather <laughs> dust or anything like that, but it is a tremendous waste of money. And, and it reimburses the idea in people's heads about intellectual property, that a person mm-hmm. can own an idea. And I don't care if the state's been removed from it or not. I still oppose the idea of intellectual property, and that's that's the whole idea behind NFTs. I also wonder if the craze is to make people think like, oh, to make people have a harder time understanding crypto. Like, what? But there's nothing backing that. You know, that's what people will see when they see the NFT craze on the news. They're like, but wait, I don't get it. You can just screenshot it. And Ron, or not Ron Paul, Logan Paul is just like, yeah, but it's a rock and I bought a rock. Well, if anything, the good side of the NFTs is it it is turning people onto cryptocurrency. So there are people who are hearing about In a about stupid this. way, though. It is, and I don't think is. that they're really like going in deeply researching it just because they heard about NFTs. No, probably not. You would not. have to. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't know how to buy an NFT if I wanted to. And I don't know how easy that process has been made. Like, there may be websites that have tried to simplify it or whatever. But, yeah, using an Ethereum wallet isn't exactly a walk in the park. No, that's not what I'm saying, though. I'm saying, like, the people that just read a story about Logan Paul bought a Pixel Rock. Mm -hmm. That's all they ever hear about crypto. Then they move on with their day. It just reinforces in their head, like, crypto's stupid. It's just digital stuff that's, like, you know, not backed by anything. And everybody laughs at it. There are all these tweets of people laughing at Logan Paul for buying this rock, you know. Well, it I'm laughing at him. <laughs> yes. And and by the way, the rocks you're talking about are worthy of <laughs> describing. When I saw the the rocks that people were buying, I saw yeah, some decently resolutioned, simple looking artwork that wasn't, you know, yeah, it wasn't terrible. bad, but uh, it still was a rock and it, that's a terrible idea to spend money on in my opinion, but if you know, whatever, it's your money, do what you want with it. Uh but this dude bought an even lower resolution rock. He bought Something that doesn't even resemble anything. It's nine by nine pixels. It's the Minecraft equivalent of a rock. Yeah. I think it's lower than Minecraft, Probably. right? Oh, it's significantly. Minecraft yeah. I think sixty four by sixty four. These are literally three by three. It's just like three different colors of gray. <laughs> and the, the, how much money did this guy spend on this? He spent uh like ninety K on one and like 60k on the other it was a total of 115k on these two rocks and it was supposedly fifteen thousand dollars on 18 total pixels (laughs) yeah and and it's amazing because earlier today when i was thinking about the nft thing for whatever reason it was you know it's been all over the place this stuff is you can't get away from it if you're into the crypto world because it's being talked about everywhere here's the latest company to get in on the nft craze it's totally a craze these are the tulip bulbs that people were talking about 
in regard to Bitcoin a number mm, of years ago. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but I thought to myself, well, can we go ahead and offer a one-by-one black pixel NFT and just claim it's the original? I love this see idea. see if we can raise a million dollars. Because it's that's how insane. Like I was joking with myself, thinking about this, thinking this is how absurd things have gotten. And then you show me that there's a, literally somebody paying thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars for a three by three pixel art. What was the original? Well, I know we that's all, what they we'll all have are. the original one black pixel. <laughs> <laughs> it's it made in uh, Microsoft Paint by a trans Satanist. All of these you that know? I've seen so far were definitely made in Microsoft Paint. I think you should use it for, to uh, fund your mayoral run. I can't do this, but I can make the artwork, and then someone else can do it. It can be a vote for Arya because oh, yeah, she right. rocks. We can't do that. <laughs> well, someone can. Yeah, someone else could. That's right. Thanks for reminding me. But of, I can uh, make the one-by-one one black pixel. Right. And then if somebody wanted to do fundraising and then donate to your mayoral campaign, maybe they could do it. You just can't ask them to do it, right? You can't tell somebody to do a, a crypto thing. I can just make some artwork. This is uh, <laughs> so stupid. A, it will take longer to get the actual size of the drawing pane down to one pixel, <laughs> that will be the longest part of this process. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think this Got to put those fifth grade MS paint skills to use, though, man. I think you're right, though, Aria. This is going to burn out. This is the tulip mania of crypto, that, uh, that these things at some point are not going to be worth millions of dollars at some point it's going to the fad is going to burn out it's going to go away maybe it won't go away entirely maybe nfts will sort of always be with us but they won't be like everybody has to have it right now everybody's jumping on the bandwagon like all these corporations are seeing this as a way to make some make some money and catch some buzz and well let's talk about another stupid idea which is taking the amazing burning man event now you know we can be critical of various aspects of it and you know it it deserves some critique like for the fact that there's a ton of cops there now you know at the, the, when it was in a, in real life when it was this huge event with 70,000 people it'd become this sort of politicized thing where they're begging for permission from the government and there was a lot of ugly aspects to it but it really had an amazing thing going for many years and that was that you could go into the desert and you could go and party with you know, a bunch of strangers and have a great time for uh, for a week straight. Probably take some good acid and you know whatever else was uh, was around, and see some amazing artwork. Because ultimately, what Burning Man was more than a radical sort of self reliant camping event. It was all in the middle of nowhere in the Black Rock Desert. It's also an art exhibit, and the artwork again. I've never been, but seeing the photographs. Like the uh, laser art in the sky and that kind of thing. I bet you there was some good laser art, but I'm the wooden much more. Thing? Uh, well, the wooden th- is the man, the burned that they burn at the end of the event is humongous structure that they build throughout the entire week. That's sort of what it all culminates in is this giant man structure thing burning, which is amazing. Sure, but there's also all these other art installations that these crazy, you know, drug-addled artists bring out to this event, and it's. Some of the most amazing art you will ever see. Do they give away their art for free? It's not the kind of art you can take they sell home. it as, as NFTs. These <laughs> these are these are like amazing kind of sculptures, amazing like interactive kind of artwork, crazy stuff. If you just go back and look at like previous photos of uh, Burning Man and some of the artwork there, you'll be blown away. I mean, it's just okay. You never seen anything like it. Really creative. Like these artists spend the whole year working on 
the next Burning Man thing, this next art installation that they're going to do with this thing. So that's what it was. What is it now? Because these pussies that are organizing the Burning Man event canceled it last year due to COVID. Even though it's outdoors in the desert where... In the summer. Yeah. Where you're not going to... I mean, it's one of the most masked events of the year prior to COVID because everybody wants to put a mask on because otherwise you're going to be inhaling a bunch of dust storms. Like, there's plenty of people that are masked. Anyway, they canceled it. According to Wall Street Journal... Nate Morris has traveled halfway around the world three times to dance with strangers and DJ a party from a bus decorated like a giant sheep at the annual Burning Man event. This year, he's trying to replicate the same experience on a virtual reality headset in his apartment in Sydney, Australia. Dude, that is among the saddest things I've ever heard. This is oh, but he's in Australia. Oh, I was going to say it might yeah. not be his choice. This is this is a sad. No, it's 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 basically his choice. These people, uh, for the most part are not going to the real thing. Although there may be an alternative. And we'll get into the alternative, the real thing that might actually be happening. He says, I just walked up to talk to people and stumbled across a place you can paint. The 30-year-old disc jockey said after arriving at the virtual burn, which began Sunday. Organizers of Burning Man, now in its 35th year, have called off the physical event in the Nevada desert due to COVID concerns. In its place, they've created a virtual burn week, which ends next Tuesday. And I'm sorry... If you canceled your physical event, I don't think you get to say you're in your 35th year. I think your event was over in its 33rd year. This last year was its 33rd year. Agreed. There's more coming up here in moments. What is this thing they're doing now? We'll tell you about it. It's Free Talk Live. If you want to join us, especially if you've been to Burning Man and you want to comment on the new virtual burn... The lamified, just pathetic uh, alternative that they've come up with for this year. You're welcome to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And also want to make sure you know about Intercoin. We told you about it last year. And uh, last year they were still in the you know development phase. And they still are uh, to some extent. But they're, they're launching globally. Intercoin can help any business and organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token, and you don't have to get into NFTs or anything lame like that. Now, Intercoin.org is launched worldwide, and if there's a token you want to launch or an app you want to build, go to Intercoin.org, enter your email, and the team will get in touch and learn about your needs. And while you're there, if you want, you can get some Intercoins for yourself. That's Intercoin.org. We're talking about the second year of the virtual Burning Man, they're claiming it's their 35th year, and I'm, t- I'm telling you This is you their no. second year. This is the second year of this event. They no longer, because Burning Man did happen this year, and presumably it's happening this year, yeah. just unorganized. Last the, year- the, They're the people who get to claim the Burning Man label at this point. Correct. But it's not the same official Burning Man. It's not the ticketed Burning Man. This is Essentially, Burning Man now has its own uh, alternative, their free alternative now. Oh, they have their own fork fest. Their own fork fest, yeah. Hmm. Uh, organizers called off the physical they event. They could call it Burning Fork and just build a giant fork and then burn <laughs> they it. They should. In the uh, Nevada desert, that's been called off officially, which means uh, no more hundred multi-hundred dollar tickets. And uh, in its place, they've created Virtual Burn Week, which extends or goes through next Tuesday. So it's happening now. Instead of camping in the desert, participants use virtual reality headsets and computer screens 
to replicate the real event in as much detail as possible, even the hours-long traffic jams. Huh? If there was anything you were going to exclude from this experience, that should have been <laughs> right? it. Last week, cyber RVs began lining up at the gate to virtual Black Rock City. Uh, How in- much do these people have to hate themselves to take a virtual RV to a place Yeah, and then get stuck in virtual traffic. In normal times, a community of camps, pop-up bars, and fanciful art displays rise out of the dust for one week every August on a pancake flat playa surrounded by jagged mountains 100 miles northeast of Reno. The virtual burn can't replicate everything about the traditional burning man, such as hugs and drinks that flow freely on the desert. The digital world's designers have also taken advantage of the possibilities of virtual reality to create experiences that in the past may have only been possible with the aid of hallucinogens. Hold on, though. I don't, I don't want to move on from the virtual reality bus traffic thing. In the 90s, Penn and Teller made a video game that never yeah. got released. Uh, one, of those, one of the three games on there was Desert Bus. Desert where it was, bus. It yep. just simulated the experience of driving from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. <laughs> and it was painstakingly accurate. And the bus had a little bit of a left drift to it. So That's you right. had to actually, you couldn't just set the controller down and let it happen. Right. And It, took, it literally and, was a nine hour or yes, whatever. It like was a actual... real time experience. And they did it because they wanted to make the worst game ever. Wow. And these people are voluntarily choosing, basically, to play Desert Bus. So they can feel, you know, better about themselves for not putting anybody at risk. Yeah. And then they show you a couple of images of the virtual playa. And I'm going to show you. Now, having shown you during the break, I, I pulled up, because you guys didn't know a whole lot about Burning Man. You hadn't seen any of the, the artwork. And I was I was gushing to some extent. As somebody who has never been to a Burning Man, but only have seen the photographs, I imagine these art installations are even more amazing in person. But well, they'd the, have to be. The photographs were stunning, right? Like, you, you saw some yeah. of these things. They were absolutely incredible. And now, here is the vision of the playa. Here Now, describe what you are seeing here in this image for our radio listeners uh it's very low quality uh it's not good it looks like a bunch of iphones circled around each other and stacked up on top of one another yeah, this is presumably one of the art exhibits you can see in the background the man that that image yeah. that is uh, sort of a digital representation of what the man did kind of look like it's kind in- of insulting to call that virtual reality when you know skyrim looks better than this yeah <laughs> What's lame about that is just it's probably a lot easier to make those sculptures on a, you know, digital thing on a computer and like to actually make them in real life and have them giant in the desert and actually see that as a totally different thing. Where did they get the wood? (laughs) They truck it in. Okay. I mean, they got to. They they probably show up, you know, a few days early, truck in all the stuff that they need and they spend the whole week building uh, the man that they then ultimately set on fire at the uh, the final, the culmination, the last night can, uh, of the event. Can I ask, yeah. are you, so do do the people of this event call it the playa and it's not normally called a Correct. playa? That's uh, stupid. No, I believe playa? it is called the playa. Wait, it's just, it, that's the natural word for this landmass that is in the desert? Because a playa is Spanish for, for beach. beach. That's yeah. stupid. Well, the playa. I don't know. I, I don't know the history of the I just think the these people seem, you know, like stuck up. Well, there's a whole different crowd that attends these events, right? So some people are probably stuck up. Some of them probably just want to go have a good time. If you're calling the desert the playa just because you're saying it's the playa, that's stupid. 
Just and, make it sound magical. It's literally just Spanish well, for beach. It, it It's a pretty magical event. I, I don't mean, know Spanish, but could it be that playa is used more colloquially to mean like sandy area or something? It could no, be. No, it's vamos a la playa. A mí me gusta bailar. <laughs> it's the beach. Yeah, like I said, I don't know what the uh, vernacular or the, the wording, the I don't know, the history of the word, regardless. Just to kind of look at what they're doing here, your point is is correct, though, Bonnie, at least on the point that making a digital piece of art, if you mess up, you just hit the delete button, hit undo, you know, no big deal. Whereas making a physical piece of art is a totally different process and then trucking it out to the desert and setting the thing up and, you know, all that. And here it's just they're drastically different experiences and they they require drastically different skill sets. Yeah. One of these artists making these sculptures, you know, fantastic artists. You set them in front of a computer with a draw pad. They're not going to be able to do the no. same thing. Do you see this? Let me continue with the article here from the uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal. Do you see this porta potty in front of us? Andrew Barrett, creator of some of the virtual worlds, asked during a tour of a virtual burn last week as par- a large blue image of the receptacle came into view. If you look up, there are all these porta potties with art inside. What? I, I don't. Again, I don't want to see that art. Thank re- you. Replicating <laughs> things that are unnecessary, right? Like, yeah. if you're gonna do something virtual, do something that you can't do in real life. Yeah, there's, parties. Re- yeah there's a reason they don't put like outhouses in you know World of Warcraft. Right. And that your character has to stop at every three hours. <laughs> Organizers say the purpose of Burning Man is to build a city out of thin air where participants live in a utopian society that follows principles of decommodification or avoiding all money transactions and radical inclusion. Art and music are featured draws, so are nudity and sex. The event has ballooned to tens of thousands of people. Not now. Each year, the organizers pick an art theme. This year's is the great unknown. They're having virtual sex. I sure hope not, it but wouldn't probably. surprise me. That's gross. There are new rules of etiquette. Although there's no official orgy dome, responsible community members can create adult-only events. Reads a notice on the website of BRCVR, an online community which helped build many of the virtual worlds. Virtual burners can uh, create an avatar that can walk, fly, and even teleport via headset and controllers, although not Those always. were good additions. Being able to fly and teleport and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Remove the tedious aspects of traveling from point A to point B. Right. But that conflicts with how they included the traffic jams and the porter potty. So they sound very confused. He's coming from Australia, the guy who's writing this. So did he have to get in a plane and and fly for 23 hours or whatever to the United States? No, obviously (laughs) Virtual reality. Uh, Although not always successfully, you're sort of falling a little to the right, Barrett warned a visitor whose flying avatar with a ball cap approached a digital art piece a bit off kilter. The first virtual burn in 2020 was pulled together in a month and experienced some technical glitches. People couldn't figure out how to enter its multiple digital worlds. Quote, we've improved on the technology because we've had a year and a half, said Colette Crespin, the director of virtual experiences for Burning Man Project. So they had no intention. Uh, bringing Clearly the, not. the event back. The climax of the event as the real one is the torching of a giant wooden effigy, the Burning Man. This year it will take place on September 4th, both digitally and in real life at an undisclosed location from which it will be live streamed. Nice. Yeah, except they're not telling anyone where it is, so you don't get to go see it in real life. 
Oh, was, oh, the Burning Man people are behind the actual Burning Man people are doing that. They're going to build okay. an actual man somewhere. So they didn't have time to do it last year. So this year they're going to build the actual man somewhere, and they're not going to announce where it is, and they're going to burn that. I imagine what's you can the point? To- oh, people aren't going to be allowed to attend. It's a secret location. It's just going to be live stream- streamed, but people right. aren't going to be allowed to. So it will have none of the awe, none of the overwhelming amazement of watching this humongous structure. Yeah, because is- anyone can watch it online from the previous years. Sure. Yeah, there's videos of the man being burned. There's more coming up here. 603-283-6160. But the good news is, some people are going to the desert anyway. They said, you know what? We don't need permission. We don't need tickets. We're going to go have our own burn. More coming up. This message is for you if you are a polyamorous person or you're in an open relationship and you are struggling with jealousy, loneliness, and communication problems. Hello, my name is Jeremy West, and I am a polyamory coach with degrees in psychology and communications and five years of experience with polyamory. And for a limited time, I'm teaching a free online class just for polyamorous people or people in open relationships where you will discover a new, simpler, and unique way to uncover the secret that experienced poly people know about jealousy that you must know too. Stop feeling lonely when your partner is out with another partner and use the four key elements that will change the way you communicate forever. No more crying yourself to sleep when you're alone for a night, a weekend, or longer and wondering if it's better to go back to a monogamous relationship. Sound good? Well then, go to jeremywest.net slash free class and register for my class now. Again, that's jeremywest.net slash free class. jeremywest.net slash free class. Free Talk Live. is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything here. Kicking off the third hour of the program, the number is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Here in the studio with you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We're talking about the virtual Burning Man, the really sad alternative to what was an amazing event and you know we can quibble with the various different issues that burning man has had over the years and we've talked about a lot of them from the insane level of police presence in in recent uh years to the ridiculous restrictions on things like photography like you can't at the old Burning Man event, you weren't allowed to take pictures without a special pass. I mean, it's just really? a crazy, yeah, crazy levels of uh, you know control. stupid central control uh, at this event. But that said, the art is amazing, and there were a lot of reasons why people attended this event, including some number of libertarians, um, beyond just it being an amazing party in the desert. Well, now all of that has been whisked away. Uh, the people, the hardcore liberals status that run Burning Man decided to cancel it last year and replace it with a last-minute decision with a virtual event. And as they point out in this Wall Street Journal article about this, they didn't have a whole lot of notice last year, so they didn't have a lot of time to put, put something together. But So this, last year's virtual event was even lamer than this one's? This year's? Well, I haven't been inside this year's. I did attempt to just kind of see what it was like so I could speak about it on the radio last year, and it was pretty lame. Um, this year, I expect it'll be similarly lame. I mean, we've seen some of the images so far from 
at least that the Wall Street Journal is showing here. And the, I mean, the art installations in real life are shocking and awe-inspiring and just amazingly talented that the that you can see. Well, that's essentially what Burning Man is. It's a week-long art exhibit with, you know, likely some psychedelic drugs mixed in and all kinds of weird experiences and times. They definitely went through a lot of trouble for this when they really could have just built a Minecraft server for Burning Man, called it the <laughs> Burning Man Minecraft server. And you could... Because people have made some pretty amazing art in Minecraft, more amazing than anything I've seen from this virtual event that you showed me a little while ago. Yeah, it doesn't look that much better than Minecraft either. It's not anything that's going to like be jaw-dropping or whatever. I mean, I... It's pretty basic virtual reality graphics. Yeah, it really is. Uh, but nonetheless, the lamos who get excited about a virtual dance party in their lo- from their local uh, theater or whatever, that's what happened here in Keene, New Hampshire last year. The local theater in downtown Keene had a virtual dance party. And it was at that point that I decided we need to throw a real dance party. This, this was uh, and we did. one of the reasons why we did quarantine at the end of the year for our New Year's event. And it, you know what? It was a great, it was a great party. There was uh, real dancing. Yeah, there really no one was. was at home dancing alone with their cats, <laughs> live streaming it to other people dancing with their cats or whatever they were doing. I yep. can't imagine even pretending that that, was, that would be fun. That would just be so sad. Yeah, it would make me want to kill myself. I've never even gotten the appeal of like, like video sexting. I would never want to do that. Be me like, neither. that's weird. But Daisy Shaw, a horse trainer from Manchester, England, stayed up all night last year to watch the burn on a VR headset and plans to do the same thing again this year while her fedora-wearing avatar stands on the digital playa. Of course the avatar is wearing a fedora. Did you make that up? Did you insult her? <laughs> no. no, it's right here. Wow. Uh, and you did look up playa. You wanted to, me- I think oh, you wanted to mention that? Yeah, in English, apparently the English stole it from the Spanish meaning beach to, to mean a flat sandy area which is just that's stupid i feel like they just the um burning man people just paid google to put that because i've never heard anybody <laughs> say that i lived in a desert we didn't say oh the playa the 57 year old right you well, were they're in utah. less pretentious in texas and utah <laughs> we're talking about liberals here <laughs> the 57 year old said you really do feel a sense of presence no, I you once- don't no, no 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 you don't dude <laughs> I once bumped into the. I once kind of bumped the chair in my room, and I turned to the person next to me in VR and said, "Excuse me," she said. Now I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. I have tried the Oculus Rift. Um, Derek J and his boyfriend Stephen, or partner, I guess Stephen, had this thing at one of their parties probably three years ago now. At this yeah. point, so when it was still fairly new, and it's pretty cool. Like it is cool. You've tried it. Yeah, I played Skyrim on VR. Okay. Not not how I'd recommend Skyrim, but there no. were other things that I played on VR, like this ocean game where you got into a cage and went down to see all the... And you could legitimately get vertigo from it. Like, you felt like you were going mm-hmm. underwater, and it confuses your brain. Wow. But it's pretty cool. So maybe that's what she means when she says that it feels like a sense of presence. Because it is fairly tricky. It is. The, the technology is fairly good. I remember somebody explained that they were in a virtual reality set, uh, and it wasn't like a game or anything, but it was just... Some of these things aren't games, they're just sort of experiences. And they were um, they were at a... I don't know if it was like a beach or something like that, and they they said, they swore they felt the wind in their hair. And the idea How was... How is that not a game, though? Well, I don't to know me- if there was a goal. Like, there was no goal of this thing. It was just to be in a virtual place. Um, but they said that they felt the wind in their hair, which obviously, you know, that's not... 
the headset doesn't do that, right? Like that's not one of the no. features. Um, but, Until we get to that level of tactile sensation, VR just isn't for me. But the reason well, that was suggested as to why was because it was real enough to where the brain filled in the gaps. Well, yeah, your brain even does that when you're like uh, watching a movie. Like your brain is reacting as if what you're watching is happening to you. I've I've heard this before because of people arguing about, oh, this will, I mean, uh, violent movies and video games will make people turn violent. They they say that like, but they don't. People watching it, I don't know. They're they're. No, I watch violent stuff all the time, and I'm not violent. I mean, horror movies are my favorite kind of movie. I don't believe that that is true, but apparently their reasoning was because there is science to prove that your body or your brain reacts to things that it's seeing as if it's happening in real life. But I'm I don't not- think that's true because I refuse to watch like the Indonesia uh, mass murder thing that happened a number of years ago. I refuse to watch any sort of those murder videos because I know that they're real and I would react badly to them. But my brain knows that movies are fictional. So it's like, oh, that's neat. I don't know. It's like they've proved it with people watching people exercise like your brain. It stimulates a part of your brain as if you're exercising. Huh. You'll have to look that one up and uh, maybe get some more information about it because obviously you're not exercising. You're not going to lose weight or whatever. I mean, it, I don't know. That's a strange. That's a strange thing to say. I mean, maybe you could say that if you're watching a horror movie, you get a jump scare because you know your jump scares are so cheap, though. I mean, it's just here's here's a lot of light music. I mean, you know mm-hmm. it's coming, and then suddenly loud crash and you jump. That's not scary. That's just. A reaction to a sudden loud noise. Yeah, or a sudden thing appearing on the screen. I don't know. I'm going to call some question into that one, Bonnie. But let's go on. Uh, this one is, uh, again, more about this woman, the 57-year-old in Manchester, England, who's she's bought a virtual headset. And, you know, the uh, virtual VR headsets are a few hundred bucks, so you were going to spend a few hundred bucks on the uh, the ticket. Yeah, but don't the- get the Oculus Rift because that's owned by Facebook, and if they right. deactivate your Facebook account, you also can't use your Oculus Rift. I bet that's true. Wow. It is true. I read a story about a woman who had her Facebook account deleted, and she was like, she bought an Oculus Rift in order to try to reactivate it or something, and it worked, but then they deactivated her Oculus Rift, too. At her home in Indianapolis, Sarah Pugh donned her VR headset Sunday, just as she did a year ago. She said she loved going to the real burns in 2018 and 19, but this one, uh, but finds this one just as stimulating. One of her favorite attractions... That's because she's been denied any stimulating circumstances for the last 18 months. She's probably one of these cowards who's been sitting inside her house uh, and doing nothing. She says one of her favorite attractions, the virtual dance parties. Quote, (sighs) if I'm standing in my living room with a box on my face and making weird body movements, I know I look ridiculous, said Ms. Pooh, a 42-year-old nonprofit manager whose avatar wears a cowboy hat. This keeps sounding like you're just making this up to make fun of people. I can't believe this is real. This is the Wall Street Journal. Her husband, Josh Cook, has peeked at her screen to try to understand the appeal. Quote, I see her friends in California and around the world come up and approach her, these cartoonish characters with no legs, arms hanging loose, and hear human voices coming out of these characters' mouths, he said. The first virtual burn drew an estimated half million attendees, more than five times the 80,000 who went there physically in 2019. And just as many are expected this year, say the organizers. Unlike the real burn, which costs about $500 per person, this one is free with a requested donation. We're coming up here at 603-283-6160. The virtual burn is lame, but what's happening in real life? Turns out some people are going anyway. 
It's Free Talk Live, the number if you want to join us. We're talking about Burning Man, the reality versus the virtual reality. And there is a real event that's going on. We're going to tell you about that one because that's actually really interesting. I'm uh, glad to hear this a real event. Yes. A, uh, a real alternative because it's not official. There's not hundreds of dollars tickets that you have to pay to get in now. And you know what? That's the way it ought to be. That's the way it started. That is. And we'll tell you more about it coming up here uh, with you in the studio tonight. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Don't forget, you can join us online. Head over to freetalklive.com. We have a bunch of cool features there, and you can enjoy them. Uh, You can enjoy them for free because that's the way a good website should be as well at freetalklive.com. Archives that go back for many years over there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. So uh, we're continuing here the story about uh, Burning Man and the virtual event now in its second year because organizers are too cowardly to actually put their event on as though they would be, you know, I guess held responsible if somebody got sick or whatever. So they've they've backed out. Just have them sign a waiver. Yeah. Well, hey, look, by attending, I recognize that I'm attending a festival with possibly 70,000 people and someone might get me sick. Yeah. You know what? P- prior to that, it was already a potentially deadly event. You're going into the desert. Yeah. In a place where it's not particularly hospitable in any way, shape, or form, and you're attempting to uh, to live there for a week. So I suspect that over the years, people have died at Burning Man. You know, you put 70,000 people together for a week, there's a good chance somebody's going to have a heart attack. There's a good chance somebody's yeah. going to, you know, get really ill and possibly die. That's just going to happen. But anyway, they canceled their thing. They're doing an online event, and it's really lame looking, at least from the photos online. I have not attempted to log in and see it for myself. I did last year, and it was like, ho-hum. Another virtual reality world. And there's a ton of these things out there. This technology is, is coming, and a lot of it's coming, and it's going to get more popular over time. But we've had virtual reality systems for more than a decade. I mean, uh, half, uh, not half-life, the uh, second life happened in the mid-aughts 15 years ago or whatever, and that thing's still going. And now there's... It was like an online Sims sort of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, you could kind of like build your own uh, hangouts and people could come in there and they have their little VR guy that you can customize and make look what you want and wear different clothes or whatever. And In Animal Crossing, uh, the one that they came out with for the Switch where you can have your island and other players can visit your island. And can you talk to them? I think so. In yeah. a very limited way. Uh, I've d- actually played it with a, another co-host of the show, Richie Rich, mm-hmm. but the interactions are like waving and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so, that, yeah, it is limited, but in a, in a like true VR setting, you can speak usually or you can type or whatever, and so you can interact with uh, with people in that way. There's there's other ones now that are more modern, you know, with better graphics, but even Second Life is still going. We talked the other uh, week about Decentraland, which is an actual decentralized um, cryptocurrency-based thing. So the... The old downside to Second Life was Second Life uses their own currency, in-game currency, mm. which is tied to the dollar. And Decentraland is using a cryptocurrency called Mana. And so it's a totally different setup. And it's very, very interesting for those that are into that sort of thing. So these things are coming and they're, you know, they're going to be big. But uh, to replace a real-life event with the amazing artwork that a Burning Man has had over the years with virtual reality, I'm sorry... Uh, watching a 
No, they're live streaming the effigy this year, and the, to me, that's the perfect example. of There's going to be a, a real burn of the man, the the wooden creation, the structure that they burn at the end of the the Burning Man event, and there's going to be a virtual burn. So there, you're going to be you can either watch the video stream from a secret location of the actual burned man, or you can watch a, the lamer. I don't know which one's lamer. The that's probably a the, good question. <laughs> It looks pretty lame in virtual reality. I mean, imagine them setting the virtual reality one on fire. That's going to be pretty pathetic. Looking. Yeah, but I mean, so is a live stream of the actual yeah. one. Maybe the actual one's going to be held in Paris Hilton's backyard so she can just walk out there and watch it. <laughs> Somebody's putting it somewhere and they're not telling you where it is. I imagine the elites of maybe Paris. You know, maybe it's happening at uh, Oak Grove or what's it called? Not Oak Grove. Where they burn the owl. Ooh. I doubt that. That's uh, that's for the political elites. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but what's that called? Bohemian Grove. Bohemian, Bohemian Grove. Grove. There yeah. That's for political elites. Uh, this is for, I imagine, only the people who are organizers of uh, Burning Man. Anyway, the Wall Street Journal article is all about talking about... So the about- organizers still get to have a Burning Man. Yes. Yeah. But the other people, you, you get to have a lesser version of it. So the Wall Street Journal is all about promoting this new Burning Man. They do, to their credit give a short paragraph to the real event, the one that's unauthorized, the one that's going on anyway. And it does say here, some diehard burners insist on a real-life experience. Several thousand nice, have descended on the playa this year, as they did last, to hold an unauthorized burn. Those virtual people, quote, those virtual people have their conclaves and groups, and that's cool, said Larry DiVincenzi, a bar owner in Reno, who's decamped to the playa 100 miles away, he says further, but it's not the same thing. Here, I can go up to a bar and get a free shot. <laughs> uh, Mr. Morris, me, uh, and that's it. That's all That's all they put in there about the real-life event. But luckily, Vice is covering it in some detail, so we'll, uh, we'll share that with you. But, uh, but the last bit of this story, it goes back to the lameness. Mr. Morris, meanwhile, is feeling some pressure because he volunteered to organize hours of programming by a group of Aussie DJs this weekend. He barely had time to master his VR headset, which had just arrived. There's a little bit of nervousness, he said, who joined the first day of the burn in two dimensions using his laptop. He and thousands of others encountered an hours-long delay getting in Sunday after the organizers programmed a rainstorm to replicate one a few years ago that left the playa a mess. Huh? Why would they do that? That's so lame. I don't understand. It's just like, why are you programming a rainstorm? Why are you programming a traffic jam? Why are you programming porta potties? These are three things that they mentioned in this article as though it's like, ooh, it's the real virtual experience. We're trying to replicate. No, if you're going to do something virtually, you do things you can't do anywhere else. Imagine you're in New Orleans right now trying to virtually go to... Well, they don't the have playa. internet or electricity. Yep, the entire electrical grid in New Orleans is down right oh, now. Oh, I actually had an update from my friend in uh, Louisiana. He lives in St. Charles, but I asked him how everybody's doing or if how it, how Louisiana's doing, and he said that um, in St. Charles it was fine, like just like um, mm-hmm. superficial damage or whatever, but nothing bad. In uh, New Orleans, it was pretty bad, but not as bad as uh, Katrina, Katrina because it didn't flood. But he said people can't come and go because they're like closing down the roads because of like down power lines and stuff like that so it'll take a few days for the people to get out yeah the entire power um system is completely down whatever the lines that the lines that were coming into the city were completely 
taken down. So the whole city is in a blackout. So even though the flooding may not be as bad as it was years ago, the power outages sound like they're way worse. And that's going to lead to looting and that's going to lead to violence because, you know, lights actually keep violence at bay. They found that out in Great Britain. They found out that putting in a ton of CCTV cameras didn't do jack to stop people from getting robbed and beaten, but putting in a street light. Really? Actually does a lot. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. The final st- the final st- uh, sentence here. So after this fake rainstorm that they replicated, Barrett said virtual burners weren't told beforehand so they could, quote, hang around and rely on each other to figure it out. Radical self-reliance. Do you think he said that with a straight face? I think he probably did. About dealing with a virtual rainstorm? Really? <laughs> That's how pathetic this is. More coming up here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. You can join us. Breaking weather news. Belize is sunny and around 82 degrees every day this week. What's the forecast for your life? If current politics and economic prospects are cramping your freedom, escape to the tropics. UCI Development has affordable second homes for you to own or rent in Belize and other tropical countries. Places with stable governments and growing economies. Secure your freedom now. To find out more, send an email to ftl at ecidevelopment.com. Especially if you're a burner, you're somebody who's been to Burning Man in the past, and you want to comment, you want to weigh in on this new virtual Burning Man, which looks like one of the lamest things you could possibly do. It uh, does. Online. And there's so there are so many great things you can do online. Yeah. This is not one of them. Uh, you know, to whoever it is that spent the uh, hours of their lives putting this thing together, uh, I wish you the best. I mean, obviously, some people are excited about it. I don't want to take away from somebody's experience. If this is your idea of a good time... But don't really, mistake it for reality. Yeah, if you really love virtual reality, then this might be an interesting thing for you to go and, and visit. Because there will be people there, sure, surely. I mean, they mentioned half a million apparently attended last year. So you can probably go into one of these virtual spaces and look at some virtual art and comment to some virtual people who are there in their living rooms, either in front of their computer screen or wearing a virtual reality helmet, and try to pretend like this event has some shred of what the actual event of Burning Man had, which was the reality of actually being with thousands of people, the reality of actually seeing incredibly sculpted artwork in the middle of the desert for an entire week. Luckily, there are thousands of people, according to both the Wall Street Journal, who are already there in real life, who have said, you know what, this is an insult. This virtual Burning Man is an insult, and we're going to go and do the real thing, and we're going to go and do it without permission. We're going to go and do it without hundreds of dollars tickets. That is what it, it, it just, you know, ticket prices just kept on going up. And going of course, up and going that's what up. they do. And they'd sell out, you know, they, uh, it's ridiculous. The, and of course the previous event had insane rules, which I mentioned to you guys earlier, you couldn't bring a camera to the Burning Man event and use it without getting targeted by whatever security. You weren't allowed to have a camera there unless Is that you because had a special of, pass. Because of the artists saying like they didn't want their stuff being taken pictures of because copyright or whatever, I, intellectual property? That's not clear. Um, I'm not sure what their excuse was for that, but they had like a total lockdown 
on people being able to so you had to like apply as a journalist or something if you wanted to bring a camera in well i mean there's amazing uh, photos of the artwork out there so it wasn't like the artists were keeping their art a secret or something and it wasn't as though the artists were demanding payment for the people that were taking the photos but for whatever reason the burning man you know collective or whoever the hell it was that's behind this event they're a bunch of control freaks well sounds like it that's weird because that's like half or more of the reason that people go out sometimes is like just to take a picture of themselves in the club and a picture of their outfit in the club, you know? Absolutely. Uh, thousands of people, according to vice.com, are expected to come to the Black Rock Desert. Now, this was written a few weeks ago. Okay. Uh, but the Wall Street Journal did acknowledge that thousands are there. So it is happening and it's happening right now. Uh, anyway, for what's now being loosely referred to as a renegade burn, an unstructured event that carries the potential to be either a creative revival of Burning Man's earlier and more do-it-yourself days, or for inexperienced campers, a potential disaster. Since its first year in 1986, Burning Man has evolved from an anarchic subcultural party on a San Francisco beach. You know, imagine a, a drum circle on a beach gone wild i mean that's essentially what burning man used to be i told you guys that they just made up this word playa it used to be on a beach now it's in the desert they just started well somebody made it up right like all words at some point were made up by somebody uh to a mega event a wash in the money and excesses of the tech industry whose denizens make up some of its most devoted and notorious fans in 2019 burning man project famously banned one ultra-deluxe so-called turnkey or plug-and-play camp, calling it part of a, quote, cultural course correction, unquote, needed to bring the event closer to its roots. The camp, Humano the Tribe, was reportedly charging up to $100,000 per spot, according to SFist, and faced accusations that its fancy portable toilets leaked sewage onto the ecologically delicate playa, and that its participants were profoundly douchey overall. All of which raises the question, are a couple of years in the metaphorical wilderness precisely what Burning Man needs? So this goes back to the issue we were talking about when you mentioned that Paris Hilton would attend this event, and I mentioned there's these tech people people in hollywood people that just get flown in they stay at like what is the equivalent of a palace it sounds like this is what burning man needs just like fork fest is what the porcupine freedom festival needs an alternative event without any rules yeah one that goes back to its roots is like hey yeah we're gonna we're gonna do this the way it's supposed to be done according to the bureau of land management which oversees federal public lands in the united states which is in my opinion one of the big downsides to the burning man event is that they beg the government for permission to hold this event rather than choosing private property and holding it there no they go on federal property and do it they uh including the black rock desert where the burning man takes place around three thousand people came last year during the time when burning man would have typically happened and several people familiar with the event say they expected to see more this year a renegade burn subreddit has just over a thousand members, and private Facebook group has 800. Discussions about it regularly crop up in the main Burning Man Facebook group with 120,000 members, with people arguing passionately for and against it in threads that span hundreds of comments. What could you possibly say against it? Just don't COVID! go. COVID. Well, they don't go. Well, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But you know how internet yeah. people are. They got to fight about something. Several of the uh, key elements that make Burning Man happen will obviously be missing. In a normal year, Burning Man Project's Department of Public Works, a team composed of hundreds of people, spends about 100 days preparing the desert beforehand, creating roads, street signs, and larger structures, like the titular man who burns on the last night of the event, as well as the pavilion around him. 
The DPW is only one part of the helpful infrastructure, according to uh, Logan Mirto. So it's gotten pretty far from self-reliant when they got the government coming out to build them roads and street signs Their and own stuff. government. This is their own. This is Burning Man's government. How could they? Oh, I thought this. I thought you said this was Department of Burning Man Projects, Department oh. of Public Works. How could they build that. roads without the government? Well, exactly. Uh, and it's on them for doing that then. And they're not laying. Pay, they're not laying like actual roads. They're just marking them in yeah. some way, shape, or form. But it's just kind of weird because they come out every year and do that before Burning Man. So do they tear down the roads every year after yes. Burning, Burning? Yeah, they, Man? they oh. always leave it pristine right oh, like okay. the, the rule and the, the similar to what the free staters do at rogers campground is you want to leave the campsite better than you you found it you sure know, clean up the trash and make sure it's pristine before uh before you leave he's the personnel manager for the department of public works at burning man and is part of a council that runs the department so of course this is so bureaucratized right it's it's leftists that put this yeah. event together so they've got to have so their they have their own department and they have yeah. a council that yeah. runs the department and committees, I'm sure, and subcommittees of committees. And when it comes to thinking about a gathering out there, the bigger things are the infrastructure from other departments, the medical teams, and the rangers. And that all plays a huge role in mitigating the environment. Rangers, by the way, are volunteers who function somewhere between camp counselors and lifeguards during the event and assist the paid staff. Why do you need a camp counselor at a an event like this so um that's a good question we actually spoke one year with matt phillips who used to be the president of the free state project for a time and he was a ranger at uh the event the burning man for some number of years so he and his girlfriend had some experience doing this job and it is again a volunteer position for the ranger it's not like a cop per se they're not enforcing laws necessarily but they are there to like security? Yeah, kind of be the security of the event. If there's something that security is needed for, maybe it's separating some people who got into a fight or, you know, they're, they're helping a guy who's overdosing or, mm. you know, feel better or whatever, like taking him to the medical tent, that, that kind of thing. That, that, okay. That's the level of uh, involvement that they are doing. For Jonathan, who uh, has attended Burning Man around a dozen times, the so-called renegade burn represents a chance for a different kind of experience, less structured, more intimate, and more self-reliant. He says it's more effort to go when it's not built up for you, when you have to provide everything for yourself, and that attracts a different crowd. And you know what? That sounds like what Burning Man was supposed to be, based on the things that I've read about the event over the years, the way it was originally created, and it has become this sort of bureaucratized thing. And now it's virtual only. No, no. This is an an alternative. You mean the official event? Yes. The official event. But the real thing sounds like it's so much better than recent years. Like, I was kind of interested in going to Burning Man, but then all the cops and all the bureaucracy and all the rules was a real turnoff. This one sounds much more interesting. More coming up here in moments. You can join us. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been to these things? Talk Live, number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. The real Burning Man. Well, the official one was canceled, and they've gone online for a really lame-o virtual event, which we talked about earlier this hour. But there are still thousands of people who are expected and apparently are already in the Black Rock Desert, where the event would normally be held, doing their own unauthorized thing. At least unauthorized officially by the Burning Man people, the official group. Did they get group. permission from the Bureau of Land Management? That's where things get interesting. 
So we're going to talk about that coming up here. It's Ian, Bonnie, and Aria in the studio tonight. Also, don't forget, you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. So if you want to learn about cryptocurrency, which wouldn't be too useful in the middle of the desert because you need internet for uh, for cryptocurrency, but otherwise is really, really cool and is changing the financial world permanently. You really ought to take some time to learn about it. To do that, go to Bitcoin.com and click on Get Started at the top of the page. You'll get all kinds of useful information, including an introductory video that will give you the basics in something like three minutes. So get over there, click Get Started at the top at Bitcoin.com. And if you want to get the latest news headlines, go to news.bitcoin.com. They've got them there updated every single day. That's news.bitcoin.com. Yeah, it's where you get into, like, what's the deal this year? Because the Burning Man people negotiate, the official Burning Man people, the bureaucracy of Burning Man, negotiates with the bureaucracy of the Bureau of Land Management. I'm sure that is a fun fun meeting and this is one of the reasons why there's hundreds of dollars that the tickets cost because they literally pay Mm. the bureau of land management a ton of money so is this government-owned land yes Um, yeah just about everything west of the mississippi river is government-owned two-thirds right i think think so of the land west of the mississippi so uh and of course that's one of my critiques of burning man is like why don't you just do it on private property i'm sure the bundys would be down for it right (laughs) uh but then you know they probably wouldn't get along with the liberals that are organizing the event and so on. But they would probably get along with money. Probably true. <laughs> so anyway, here's the uh, the details that get interesting about the unofficial, unauthorized event that's going on now. And when I say unauthorized, it's unauthorized by the official Burning Man organization. But thousands of people are going out to the playa anyway to do this. Well, can the Bureau of Land Management stop them anyway? They can send troopers out there and, you know, arrest people if they want to. But it's public property. And that's why they're letting people go onto it. However, they are going with uh, making demands. They're they're setting rules for the people that will go out there. Here's what they say, according to Vice.com. Besides being smaller, the event will obviously be more dispersed across the playa, less a city than a collection of atomized camps. The BLM, Bureau of Land Management, has also prohibited some of the signature aspects of Burning Man, like art structures and installations, as well as, per a letter of one renegade burner received, bonfires, fireworks, airplanes taking off or How landing. How can you tell people in the desert that they can't have a fire at night? It's crazy. Uh, companies that service portable toilets will also be prohibited. In other words, campers can bring out a porta potty, but it cannot be serviced or drained by any professionals for the duration of its stay on the playa. And the people who come to Burning Man by private jet during normal times will have to drive in like ordinary plebs. <laughs> Heather O'Hanlon, spokes bureaucrat for the Bureau of Land Management's Winnemucca District, where the Black Rock Desert is located, said people are welcome to camp this year, though. Quote, there are no plans to close the playa, and people are welcome to come camping using their own resources. Are campfires banned at any other point of the year? I don't know. That's a good question. But in many, the broader Burning Man community are expecting heavy enforcement of the rules by both the BLM and local law enforcement in the area around the playa. Now, interestingly, they quote people here from... Isn't local law enforcement, like you said, like 25 miles away, and it's just this little podunk town? Yeah, there's not much in the way of, of local So law. they have like yeah, but a sheriff, maybe? I'm sure there's like Nevada BLM that can just show up there and harass you. Yeah. I think that it would be fun, more fun to just organize a bunch of people to go to a place that's not where the 
Burning Man usually is because mm-hmm. it's it's going to be like zeroed in on by the cops. Well, that's what they're predicting here. And that's what uh, quotes from the uh, people posting on the Burning Man Facebook group, the one with 120,000, the official Facebook group. Of course, they're trying to talk people out of going. Right. So, of course, mm-hmm. they want to scare people into thinking that there's going to be even more law enforcement. Remember. One of the critiques of Burning Man is that it attracted a ton of law enforcement. So even though there's a podunk town nearby, when there's 70,000 people coming to a party, that's going to attract law enforcement from all over Nevada, right? Like, so there's sheriffs okay. and, you know, state police or whoever that comes there and, you know, they're looking to bust you for having drugs or, or whatever. And they do make several arrests, probably not as many as they could, though. Uh, so that's one of the con- that's one of the controversies over Burning Man is the presence of law enforcement. Again, All the more reason on, to do this on private on property. On private property, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what you were suggesting there, Bonnie, is having this on private property would change a lot about what would be allowed and and what wouldn't. But you know, there's one guy who's predicting that there's going to be every law enforcement officer that could be issuing tickets for every ticky tack violation that they see uh, that even arguably violates the BLM guidelines or local laws. But interestingly. He's not saying he attended last year and that's what happened. He's just speculating. That's mm-hmm. what might happen. Yeah, my feeling is that they'll have a very light hand with this. I suspect so. Uh, anyway, let's go to your calls and thoughts. We got Surf Daddy. He's on the line. You can bring up whatever's on your uh, mind in California. Go ahead, Surf Daddy. Surf Daddy, going once. Surf Daddy, going twice. Well, thanks for trying. So, let's see here. What else? Uh, Clovis Buford has been to Burning Man about nine times. He's also a regional contact for Austin, Texas, meaning he acts, as he puts it, as a conduit. He says, I try to make sure I communicate Burning Man stuff out to the wider community here and relay any of our community concerns to BMO Org, which is the shorthand for Burning Man Organization, which is the official bureaucracy or whatever. If you're, op- if you're out in the open desert, you're responsible for your own experience. Let's hope everyone makes wise choices. With the absence of roads and people potentially driving very very fast across the playa, he said, personally, I would want my tent lit up like I was calling the GD mothership. So it sounds like it's going to be a, a potentially wilder experience. It sounds like they install roads to slow people down, and they have things like speed limits during the official event, and that's all gone now. I think better of people than this liberal does. I don't think the people who are attending it are going to be doing like, let's see how fast we can go toward this massive crowd of campers. <laughs> or like run <laughs> over someone's tent or yeah. whatever. I mean, they have headlights. They'll be driving cautiously. They're yeah. not stupid. Seatbelt laws all these speeding laws to not run over pedestrians, the vast majority of that is not necessary. Well, if fires were allowed, then it would be easier to see people in the middle of the night also who true. might be having a campsite or something like that. From and the pictures, very quickly, go ahead. From the pictures, it looks like there's like no trees or sh- shrubs or Nothing. brush anywhere. It's not like they're going to start a wildfire. Yeah, and they'll very quickly make their own roads. I, well, we'll see. It's good. I mean, it's that's how the first roads were ever formed, just people t- taking the same path repeatedly. And, oh, look, there's there's now a path there. I mean, for as long as it lasts, I mean, there's a dust storm blows through that path. It's going to be gone. Chance to see a smaller, less built-up version of Burning Man also appealed to Meredith Fortner, who lives in Texas and has attended Burning Man twice in 2009 and 2017. She says, I saw it as a chance to time travel to see what it was like in the early days. Almost as quickly, though, she decided not to go. She said, then I read the fine print that there wouldn't be ice or any possibility of a medevac and said, F that noise. <laughs> oh, she needs the... A medevac. Now, what about ice? Well, 
you're not going to have ice out there. Oh, right? that's true. So yeah. there were there unless were, you have a generator, yeah, presumably. The, right, and there were people who were delivering that previously. So like from mm-hmm. the little podunk town nearby, they'd come out and they'd sell ice. That was one of the few things that was allowed to be sold. Because remember, Burning Man, you're not allowed to to buy or sell things. Well, that, those rules are out the window. Yeah, because now, too. the ice was coming in from outsiders Correct. who weren't attending the festival, so Correct. you sort of had to buy it. Exactly. Otherwise, they're not going to bring it in. <laughs> Uh, so it's that which you know this is another example that the the fact that this event doesn't have any rules, the fact that this event is truly you are got you got to be self reliant here is actually scaring away a significant portion of people who they shouldn't be there. It sounds like know? she shouldn't be there. Yeah, you, if you're worried about a medevac, you really shouldn't go. I mean, how likely are you going to need a medevac in the course of eight days or whatever anyway? Yeah, just bring a first aid kit. I mean. Things will happen if sure. you get overheated, you know, overheated or whatever. That's why they do have a medical crew on staff there at the official event is because people doing a bunch of drugs in the middle of the desert. I mean, somebody's going to be irresponsible with it and they're going to have a bad time, right? And that's going to lead to some issues. Yeah. And well, then that person will reap the consequences of their own actions. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's a fascinating thing. Uh, if you are, as I said, a burner and you've been, if you went last year specifically, definitely want to hear from you as to what was 2020 like compared to previous years. If you're going this year, you probably don't have cell service. You probably can't call us from uh, from the desert. But afterwards, if you want to give us a call on the way home and tell us you know, what it was like, was the prediction correct that the cops would be cracking down? We didn't hear anything about crackdowns last year. But then again, only a few thousand people went. So who knows? We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Good luck to the burners. After a devastating war, the alien visitors were driven back and their willing human collaborators were left behind to face the music. When Emma Jean Anderson's ex-lover springs her from prison, Nathan Foster and his 14-year-old nephew Ben are tasked with bringing the pair to justice. An easy enough job until they discover something is inside Emma Jean and the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. The Family Business by Mike Coopery from BaneBooks.com.